Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 286 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, coming to you from Austin, Texas. And I'm excited about today, one, because it's raining outside and we desperately need it. But two, I'm going to be talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart, which is I'm going to give you 12 tips for first-time marathoners. 12 tips for first-time marathoners, a group that is near and dear to my heart. It is one of my privileges as a coach to help usher people to their first marathon experience. And I want to say, for those that are not first-timers, I still think this is worth a listen because they're definitely lessons to be learned for everybody. I think this is also a trip down memory lane for some of you veterans as well. And just remembering the newness and the aura and the fun and excitement and energy and emotion associated with that first marathon, as well as this also allows you to reflect a little bit on how far you've come. So listen up, whether you're a newbie or a veteran and or share it with somebody new who might need the messages from this episode. So again, 12 tips for first time marathoners coming to you shortly. A couple of intro notes. First of all, I've got two partners for this episode, Zencaster as well as Athletic Greens. We'll be talking about those at various points in the episode. So thanks to them for being partners. I also want to let you know that I've got a couple of, I think, really good episodes coming up. I'm really excited about including some episodes that I'm doing in partnering with others. I'm not going to give any details yet, but just stay tuned in the next couple of weeks. You're going to see some really good episodes that I think you'll want to tune into, including one Q&A episode that's going to be fun. And again, a reminder there, still have time to get in your questions. Not much time as I'm recording that episode next week, but if you can get me questions by the 21st of August. I can probably still work those into that episode. If you can't, send them anyway because I collect those and I can answer those questions on later episodes perhaps. So send your questions no matter what. You you can send those to chris at roguerunning.com, but stay tuned for some really good episodes coming up. Before we jump into this episode, just quickly want to plug my partner Zencaster. They're a podcast platform that enables seamless, high quality remote recording and editing. I've used them for a really long time, particularly for the interviews that I do. And it's just high quality and eliminates those issues you might have with audio quality over bandwidth. I've got a couple of ways you can partner with them. First of all, if you'd like to use their service, Zencaster, it's a great service. You can go to zen.ai forward slash rogue 30 for 30% off your first three months of the Zencaster service. So go to zen.ai forward slash rogue 30 for 30% off your first three months. You can check that out if you want to work with their platform. And for those who might want to use and leverage the podcasters and content creators that use Zencaster, you can also reach out to their new ad platform and get connected to those brands. So if you're a sports or running brand and want to get connected to a show like mine or to other shows, then you can reach out to zen.ai forward slash running rogue, fill out some contact info there, and they'll get back to you on how you can partner with them as a business, as an advertiser to share your story. So that's what we've got with Zencaster. Thanks again to them for partnering with me on this episode. Okay, let's jump into my topic. Going to go through 12 tips for first time marathoners. But before we talk about it, as I like to do, I want to set a little bit of context. First of all, if you're a first time 
marathoner. Love it. Congratulations. Excited about your journey. Welcome to Running Rogue, if this may be your first episode to listen to. Your journey and goal is a worthy one, and I'm going to help you along that path with these 12 tips. I'll also remind you that for some of you who may be in the midst of training for that marathon, maybe you already started a couple of months ago, your mid-training cycle and really building up to a race a little bit later, or maybe you're starting or just thinking about it, there's something in here for anybody and everybody. But for those that are already in their journey, there may be some tips on here that you may have missed when you started, and that's okay. Wherever you are is where you are, and don't fret the details, but just take what you can from this episode, implement what you can in the time you have, and I promise you, you'll have a great experience. So don't fret if you miss some of these things and because you're already mid-cycle and you're just getting to something like this episode. I also want to say for those that are veterans who may be listening through and who have already done their first marathon before... I also want to remind you and have you reflect simply on the big deal that that was when you did it. A marathon's a big deal, and I think it's easy for us as we progress on our running journey to forget about the novelty, the newness, the emotion, and the energy associated with that first race. Hopefully, this episode helps you do that. Hopefully, this episode also helps you get back to that mindset so perhaps you can help a friend, coworker, partner, family member, whoever may be in your life that might be starting this type of journey themselves, because it does take a beat to kind of put our beginner mindset back on to, to go back to that rookie brain and think about what we were thinking about, the things we were worried about and fretting about. And so this will help you do that a little bit. I think it'll also put in context the progression you've had, if you've been able to progress to wherever you are now, oftentimes we're very focused on where we got to go next and beating ourselves up because we haven't gotten there fast enough, but we forget to reflect on how far we've come and the journey that we've had so far. So don't hesitate to do that as a part of listening to this for those veterans that are out there. But also I think there's, again, something for everybody in this episode. So here we go. Let's jump in. 12 tips for first-time marathoners, number one, I want to emphasize for you first-timers that you can do this. You can do this. A marathon is a big deal. Yes. I'm sure, depending on your experience level with running in general, it can be an intimidating journey. But as a coach who has coached all levels of athletes in terms of talent level, beginning, starting point, experience level, all walks of life, all shapes and sizes, all paces, all degrees of fast. As somebody who has coached all types of runners to their first marathon, I can promise you that you can do this too. It's a worthy goal. I understand that it's a scary goal. And as long as you do the work, you can do this. It's not easy. It still requires putting in the time, covering the distance, being ready to race. But I promise you, you can do this if you're willing to put in the work. So I hope that's encouraging for those that are in process. And maybe it's also encouraging for those that might be thinking about it who are scared. But I promise you, no matter what you've done, what your background is in this sport, you can finish this race. All you have to do is go to a marathon 
spectate, stand on the sidelines, cheer for people, and you'll see every single type of person represented in these races. And that's one of the beautiful things about it. So if you need a little motivation there on being inspired to know that you can do it, then just go spectate and you'll see somebody, I promise, that looks like you. And that will give you that little bit of inspiration you need to have that belief yourself. So tip number one is just know and believe and own the fact that you can do this and you will do this if you're willing to do the work. Number two, know your purpose for wanting to run this race, this distance. There's a lot of reasons to run. There's a lot of reasons and, and ways to run. You can run a half marathon. You can run a 5K and 10K. And believe me, those are worthy distances to cover as well. There's no hierarchy from my perspective on which is better than another. If you're out there doing it, I'm proud of you. I'm in your corner. But remember that the marathon is a challenging beast, and it's important to have a clear perspective on why you want that distance and not some other distance or some other goal in your life that might be outside of running in the movement space. Know your reason why. And I want you to be able to articulate it in a crisp and clear phrase or sentence. I want to run this marathon because, and then be able to articulate five to 10 words that represents that reason. And look, if you've listened to my podcast before, you know that I will preach ad nauseum about the need to understand your purpose, regardless of where you are in the spectrum of experience in this sport. It's important to be connected to your goal and understand why you want it, regardless. I think it's especially important for those big challenges in this sport. And again, the marathon is one of them. You can do it, absolutely. But I highly encourage you to connect to a unique purpose that means something to you that you can easily articulate, that you've bubbled up to a handful of words that says, I want to be a marathoner because dot, dot, dot. If you can answer that, crisply and have that top of mind, it's going to help you through the tough patches that you might face as you progress in this journey. Again, you can do it, but you have to do the work and the work is not easy. It's not easy going out for 20 mile runs or 18 mile runs or 16 mile runs. It's not easy when little soreness pops up that says, hey, I don't want to go out today because I'm feeling a little bit down physically. It's easy to skip those runs and not get the work in. But if you're connected to that purpose, you have it dialed in in your head in a crisp, clear way, then that's the thing you can go back to when things get hard. It's also the thing that's going to make it sweeter when you get to that finish line. So connect to your purpose. Understand the very specific reason why you want to cover 26.2 miles. And the other note here is that it doesn't have to be earth shattering doesn't have to be something that gets someone else motivated. It just has to be the thing that motivates you. And if you're struggling with that, start by listing a bunch of reasons. Oftentimes when I ask people why they run, they might tell me five or six reasons why they run. And those could all be valid reasons. But what I want you to do as a part of that exercise, once you have your reasons for running, is really boil it down to the one, the one the top reason why that pushes you to cover this distance. 
So identify your purpose, have it clear, have it crisply articulated. I want to run 26.2 miles because write that down, memorize it in your head, and then come back to it in those tough moments, whether it's tough to do the work or when you get to race day, ultimately, if you're having a tough moment in the race, that'll be something you can go back to. So it becomes that little nudge that gets you moving, that anchors you on your reasons why, so that when you're questioning those reasons or questioning your choices, you can go back to that anchor and then keep taking those little steps forward. And look, it's not a panacea. It's not going to make everything sing and hum. It's not going to bring out the rainbows and unicorns, but it is going to give you that very solid anchor, that that motivational mental foundation that's going to help you continue to take those little steps of work along the way to get to your goal. So know your purpose. Number three, think long-term with this short-term milestone. Think long-term with this short-term milestone. What do I mean by that? Obviously, you need to have a training schedule that covers the three to five months that's going to get you ready for this race. Ideally, four to five. We'll talk about that in a second. You need a, you need a plan. You've got to have that plan for that short-term horizon to cover the distance. But I want you to construct your thought process around how you make decisions on that plan and, and the urgency with which you accomplish that plan with a long-term view in mind that you're going to do this again. And you don't have to sign up for that or commit or put it in ink anywhere. But I want you to, what I want you to do is have the best opportunity for long-term potential to be achieved in this sport. I want you to leave open the possibility that you fall in love with the marathon or fall in love with a different distance, but that this running journey becomes something that's a part of your life. And in order to set yourself up for that, you really need to think long-term in every training cycle and every decision that you make. But I think especially for that first marathon, because there are things you can do in this journey, which we'll talk about in the next set of reasons, is there are things you can do in this journey to set yourself up for longer term success. There are no shortcuts. There's no hacks in this sport of running. (laughs) Fortunately or unfortunately, it's just about consistent work, following a set of principles routinely for a long period of time. That's how you reach your full potential in this sport. And so I don't want you to take shortcuts. I don't want you to employ hacks to get to your first marathon. I want you to think about your long-term potential, your long-term development arc, so that you make decisions that help build towards that in this marathon, whether you know you're going to do another one or not. Because look, at the end, you may not choose to continue the journey. It may not be your thing, and that's okay. But if it is, I want you to have made the right decisions along the way to make sure you're setting yourself for that long-term success. And by the way, That will also help you have short-term success because it'll mean that you'll make good decisions in the near term that are also going to support you getting to that short-term milestone. So think long-term, but with this short-term milestone. And again, I'll talk in a minute and as I go through those other reasons about what that means. What does it mean to think long-term in the context of this short-term milestone? But I want you to have a vision for the future. 
And ultimately, you can put that in pencil. You can decide later whether or not you continue the journey, but it's going to set you up for long-term success if you have that type of mindset now. So that's number three. Think long-term with a short-term milestone to cover 26.2 miles. Number four, give yourself time to do it. Give yourself time to do it. And again, I recognize there may be people listening to this episode that are in the midst and maybe they started a little bit late. And look, you are where you are. There's not changing. There's no changing it. Don't beat yourself up. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. You'll get there. You'll be okay. But for those that have a little bit more time who may be thinking about or at the beginning of their new marathon journey, I want you to think about this within this training cycle as giving yourself plenty of time. I would say at least 20 weeks. But typically our programs are going to be 20 to 24 weeks, at least 20 weeks though, to go from whatever running routine you had before to getting to cover 26.2 miles. It's just simply the best way for a lot of reasons. It's the best way if you're a veteran and experienced and trying to ultimately achieve your fastest marathon, but it's also the best way for a new person. And I think maybe even more important for a new person, because that allows you to patiently build your volume and build your body so that it can cover the distance most adequately and do it in a healthy and safe way. Give yourself time. And I've got other episodes on how you might structure those 20 weeks. I'm not going to talk about that today, but you want to give yourself time to go from where you are to covering the distance so that you can, again, do it in the way, in a way where you don't have to take shortcuts, where you can keep your body safe and healthy along the way. And ultimately, put your best foot forward in this first marathon. So give yourself at least 20 weeks to get ready for and train for this distance. You will have a much more enjoyable experience, I think, if you do. Plus, again, in this vein of thinking long-term, that's going to set you up for the ability to achieve potential well beyond this because you're not going to be taking shortcuts to get where you need to be in, in the near term. So take your time, give yourself time to properly complete this full marathon training block. It's important to having a good experience. Number five, think target time, not goal time. When I talk to first-time marathoners, the number one thing they should be thinking about from a goal perspective is finishing the race. Obviously, get it done. That's number one, priority one, full stop. Don't even really need to think about goals beyond that. But I typically will layer in a couple of other thoughts to that get it done, finish mentality. One, if that's my first goal for somebody in their first time marathon is just to finish. My second goal is to finish in a strong way. And that can look differently for everybody in terms of what that represents. But I want you to finish 26.2 miles, feeling good, feeling strong, thinking maybe you left something out there on the table, but that makes you hungry for more. That's what I want for people. I train first-time marathoners to feel that way. doesn't always happen. Look, it's a tough distance. And look, you're going to hurt. It's going to be a challenge. There's no doubt about that. But my hope for you is that you finish and that you finish feeling good and strong so that you're hungry for more. It also embeds a mentality that you can run strong, you can run well at the end of 26.2 miles so that you can then carry that mentality to future races and be confident 
when you tick over into mile 22 and 23 and it's time to finish that thing. So those are the two top goals that I, that I have for people in training for their first marathon. But inevitably, most people, some don't, but most come to me and say, I'm thinking about a certain time for this first marathon. And I've got no problem with that either. But the challenge with a specific goal time in a first marathon is you don't know how you're going to respond to the training. And so you have to let the process dictate and tell you ultimately what type of goal you should be shooting for. But also, you've never run the distance before, so you don't really know how your body's going to respond. And so we're lacking information. We can have a sense for what your goal should be, but we're lacking some key information that might help us hone in on that. And by the way, I don't want people to just be disappointed either. I mean, obviously, I want you to finish. I want you to finish strong. But to be really attached to a specific goal time, I just think is is difficult, challenging for a first marathon. It's not worth it. Prioritize the two things that matter that, again, tie to that long-term view. And then over time, you can get more specific with your goals. Now, that being said, I still want people to ultimately have a target time. And what we will use or what I use in these types of situations for a first-time marathoner who's never covered the distance before will look at prior race results, if there are any, look at prior 10Ks, halves, 5Ks to help inform what might be possible. We'll look at training results to see how they've responded to different types of workouts in training to what their long runs have looked like and the ease with which they've been able to cover certain paces there. By the way, not running marathon pace on long runs because we always want those to be slow and easy but that can still be an indicator. What you can do at a conversational pace can be an indicator to what you should be doing in race day when you're pushing a little bit more. So we look at those factors and then ultimately we'll back off from that a little bit and say, hey, I think this might be possible if everything goes perfectly. But then typically I like to give my runners maybe a 10 minute buffer on average, maybe plus or minus that depending on the person and their experience with running. 10-minute buffer, a little bit slower than that, to target for their actual target time, which puts them in a position to run within their wheelhouse, to stay within their fitness level, and then have room and space at the end of the race to finish strong. So we'll come up with a target time, but one that we're not writing in pen or that we're circling in bold or that we're dreaming about, something that just gives you an indicator for how you should plan to run the race. Because ultimately, in order to finish the race and to finish strong, you got to have a plan. And if you're going to have a plan, you need to understand what paces you can run. And so we'll figure out what that target time is using a sense for fitness and then backing off that a little bit and then put together a plan that's based on that target time that allows you plenty of room to feel good and strong at the end if everything goes well. So we're de-risking essentially the plan, but you still have a plan so that you can execute and finish strong and feel good about it. So that's a way to think about goal setting when you're a first-time marathoner. And implied in that, by the way, is that you should have a plan. A lot of times I'll have first-time marathoners or I'll talk to people maybe right before they race that maybe didn't coach with me because I'm always going to give my athletes a plan no matter what, but maybe that asked me, hey, I'm 
about to run my race. What should I do? And I haven't worked with them before. And one of the things I tell them is that they should still have a plan. You should still try to run certain paces in each section of the race so that you can put yourself in position to finish, finish strong, and hopefully get a target time that you can use as a platform to chase faster times down the road. So that's number five. Don't have a goal time, but do have a target time. Number six, really emphasize your routine and mileage foundation when it comes to your training. Emphasize your routine, meaning getting the runs in with a plan and building your mileage foundation as you go through this journey. Again, this is a part of that long-term view. A couple of notes here. One, I don't care what degree of fast you are. You are worthy of leveraging the same training principles that the fastest elites will use. I mean, that's the foundation of rogue running. That's the foundation of the things I talk about on this podcast. It doesn't matter where you are, front, back of the pack. doesn't matter your degree of fast. We're all humans. Physiology for us all works in very similar ways. We all can leverage the same training principles that work on the best elite athletes. And that applies to you too. So own that, first of all. And as a part of that, one of the fundamental principles of modern distance coaching that every elite uses is that miles matter, volume and consistency matter. Those are probably the most important variables when it comes to long-term improvement and long-term potential. And believe me, it's couched in the context of your starting point and we would you would want to build in a way that's incremental so that you're not overdoing it. And you may never get to mileage levels that the elites are running. But if you're doing more than you've done in the past and you're building that over time, then you're leveraging that same principle. And so if you're thinking long-term, then this marathon cycle should be about that. Establishing your weekly running routine in a way that you can do it consistently. And by the way, doing those at easy efforts. That'll be a topic in a minute. Also, building that mileage a little bit from wherever you may have been before. Some of that will be built in because you're going to be doing longer runs than you've ever done. But you want to build that that volume a little bit. And that should really be your focus. If you're following a training schedule schedule of any variety or if you have a coach, they will likely work in some speed type workouts for you. But from my perspective, those should be deprioritized. I mean, do them, sure, if it works for you and your body's able to stay healthy, but those should be deprioritized relative to routine and consistent mileage and volume in whatever form that looks like for you, given your starting point. That is the top priority. Mileage, volume, consistency, not speed and running fast. Look, there's plenty of time to build in workouts and run fast and and chase times. But if you're thinking long-term, volume and consistency and mileage are ultimately the foundational elements that are going to allow you to run your fastest version of you down the road. So you have to prioritize those. It also puts you in a headspace 
where you're, again, building for the long term, but also in this first marathon cycle, while you're doing things that you've never done before, like covering 20 20 miles at one time, perhaps, or 26 ultimately in race day, it allows you to do that safely without compromising your musculoskeletal system, which might lead to injury. It's not to say you won't have something to manage, like I talked about in episode 285 last week, but it is to say you want to stay as far away from the risks of training as possible by deprioritizing the speed side of things, prioritizing the mileage and consistency side of things, and doing it at easy efforts, which is a perfect segue to number seven, which is, this, and this, by the way, applies to everybody, but especially for that first marathon, you've got to slow down. You've got to slow down. I can tell you for my first marathon, which I trained for Chicago in 2000, I'd graduated from college in May of 2000, started my first job. I was actually working on a project in downtown Chicago at the time and signed up for the Chicago Marathon to do in October of 2000. I didn't get to that race. I didn't get to that race. I got a stress fracture in training. The reason I got a stress fracture in training was because I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I was running too fast all the time. I thought harder is better, faster is better if I want to be my best self. And I broke myself. Now, ultimately, that stress fracture is was a pivotal turning point in not only my running journey, but also in ultimately my career journey. If you know my history from listening to this podcast, that injury was what caused me to dive into run coaching at the level I did so that I could make sure that never happened to me again. And I learned a ton while I wasn't able to run because of that stress fracture. And one of the things I learned was that you have to slow down most of the time. Not only does it put you in the right aerobic zone to build aerobic capacity, which is what you need to run a marathon at any degree of fast, but also it protects the musculoskeletal system because you're, you're putting less stress on your body by running at easier efforts. So you need to be running most of the time, and I would say for a first-time marathoner, probably 90% of the time at easy conversational efforts. You should be finishing runs, feeling like you could have gone further because your effort was easy enough on that run. And sure, there may be doses of speed. Again, I would deprioritize those in, in context if you're not sure or if you're having some issues with something pop up, a little issue, injury issue or niggle, if that's happening, deprioritize the speed, prioritize the volume at easy, easy efforts. You have to slow down. Not only will that get you healthy to the start line, but I promise you it will also ultimately help you unlock your full potential in this running journey of yours. So you have to. You have to have to embrace this concept. You have to slow down. And by the way, if you think that's counterintuitive, there's a couple of analogies I'll use here. I've used these, I believe, before on the podcast. But if you're new to listening to this, one, I like to use a car analogy when it comes to running training principles. If you think about your aerobic system as an engine like a car, we're doing a couple of things with that engine when we train. We're, we're adding cylinders. We're building the size of our engine. And we're fine-tuning that engine. We're revving up the RPMs. We're getting it cranked and ready to go at max potential 
for whatever size of engine you might have at a given time. So we're working both of those things. And in, over, in an oversimplified analogy here, when you run easy with more volume consistently, that's where you're building the size of your engine. When we run fast, when we do workouts, that's when we're fine tuning the engine that we have in its existing size. Ultimately, as a runner, you would rather have an eight cylinder engine by running easy and more than you would want a four cylinder that's grabbed up to the max. That eight cylinder is gonna smash a four cylinder all day long. So slow down to give yourself more cylinders. And then when we fine tune that big engine, you're going to really crank. The other thing I remind people here is that if you think about weight training, the principles are exactly the same, and yet we accept them completely in a weight training environment, but for whatever reason, we don't accept them in a running environment. When you're weight training and you're trying to improve your max bench press, what you're doing is doing more reps, i.e. more volume, at lower weight, i.e. lower intensity most of the time and then occasionally you max out and you try to see how much you've improved with that bench press well running is exactly the same most of the time we're doing more volume more miles and less intensity i.e. slower paces most of the time so that occasionally we can max out and race hard it's the exact same concept and yet we blindly follow that in weight training and don't question it. And yet for whatever reason, if I tell somebody to slow down and running, they freak out and think I'm somehow not giving them the right tools to be their best self down the road. But it's very similar. Number seven here, slow down. Ultimately, you will be your fastest running self, not only in this race, but down the road if you do that. All right, before we get to number eight, I want to talk about my partnership with Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is essentially a multivitamin on steroids, but it doesn't just have the vitamins and minerals that you need. It's also got prebiotics, probiotics. It's got a superfood complex. It's got other enzymes that are going to help you be your best self. And I've been taking it for about four weeks. I take it. It's in drink form. Take it right after I exercise, typically before I eat breakfast. Tastes good. It's got a neutral tropical type flavor that I think has just been a fun part of my routine. I don't drink coffee personally, and so this is kind of a nice way to start my day after I've gotten my workout in to get the things I need to make sure that I can perform the way I want to perform. And I was previously taking about multivitamin and pill form, but I like this version because it's got high quality ingredients. It's also got that superfood complex, so it helps account for things I may not be getting in my daily dietary routine I try to be good about eating well and healthy, but with a crazy schedule with three kids, that's not always perfect. So this kind of gives me that all-in-one nutritional insurance that's making sure, again, I get the stuff I need. I also appreciate the fact that it's all based on science and they iterate the product actually over time. They have over 50 versions of the product as they've been able to learn and tweak and add new things to make sure that what you're getting is based on the best and latest available science. So I encourage you to check it out. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs of Athletic Greens with your first purchase. 
All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash running rogue to get those free offers. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash running rogue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So check it out. And thanks to Athletic Greens for sponsoring this episode. So let's get to number eight. Number eight is figure out your nutrition and hydration before you get to race day. Figure out your nutrition and hydration before you get to race day. Marathon training is important. Covering the miles is important. But the marathon is a distance at which nutrition and hydration becomes critical to finishing well and finishing strongly. And most of the time, when I talk to first-time marathoners right before they're about to race, they haven't yet figured this out. But I encourage you to start that process early to dial in and to experiment with what might work for you so that by the time you get to race day, you've got it figured out. That doesn't mean it might not change and evolve over time from there based on what you learn on race day itself. But you want to try to learn as much as you can before you get to race day so that you're not experimenting with something new on race day itself. So figure out your nutrition and hydration. The starting points that I give for this, for those that are out there trying to figure out where to start or how do you experiment. One, I would note that you want to experiment with this on any and every long run over two hours. Any and every long run you do that lasts longer than two hours leading up to your race, you should be experimenting with nutrition and hydration in a way that allows you to learn. And it may take many weeks to figure out exactly what's working for you, but that will give you the time to do it if you're experimenting on those runs over two hours. So what what should you try? Well, there's really two pathways to consider. One is the sugar pathway. Another is the you can pathway, which is a super start. So it's a a slower burning carb. We'll talk about that in a second. But on the sugar pathway, which I would say is most common, your typical gels and chews and things like that, what you want to do with that is as a starting point, I tell people to start taking that when you know your run's going to be over two hours, start taking that at the one hour point and then come back to those gels or chews every 35 to 40 minutes typically. That's a good starting point. Once you take it, you have to come back to it because your insulin's going to spike. Your body's going to be excited about all that sugar. It's going to use it, but it's also going to expect more. And once you start, you got to keep going. And so you're going to want to come back to that after 35 minutes. So start at an hour, come back after 35 to 40 minutes, and then take something, another serving of that product every 35 to 40 minutes until you're done. Now, once you figure out timing. You got to figure out also what to try. And there's different brands. I would say goo is the most common one that people use, but that's basically flavored high fructose corn syrup. It works great because it goes straight into that bloodstream essentially. But for some people, it may be harsh and might mess with your stomach. So there are other brands that are more natural too that I like would be Huma or Honey Stinger, which use more natural products for their sweeteners. You also have the new Morton Gels, are not really new anymore, but relatively new in the context of Morton Gel, which are a hydro gel that's flavorless that can go easy on a lot of people's stomachs. So you want to experiment with a brand that's going to work and obviously test flavors. You can also try some of the chew options. 
Cliff Shot Blocks. You've got Honey Stinger has Chews. Scratch, I believe, has Chews and Gummies now. So there's different products out there. And you know generally what you like. Do you, do you like something gooey? Do you like something chewy? What flavors do you like? Use your intuition to gravitate towards what sounds like it's going to be good for you and just start. Just try it. And again, take something at that first hour and then another serving every 35 to 40 minutes. That sugar pathway is one pathway. The other pathway is to use UCAN. That's a product I use. You take it in drink form, finishing it about 30 minutes before you start your run or your race. And it gives you two to up to, at the very extreme, four hours worth of energy on one dose, so to speak. For most people, I've found that that lasts about two to two and a half hours, but it essentially delays your opportunity to take those gels so you don't have to carry as many. So it can give you two to two and a half hours worth of energy. And then once you get through that, then you're going to want to start supplementing with another gel option. You can now actually has gels, so you could start those at the two hour point, or you can pick one of those other options I just mentioned. But that essentially allows you to extend that time period before you start that high sugar option by about an hour. And so if it were me, that's where I would start. I would try the you can before and then start something at about the two hour point. And then once you start again, you got to come back to it every 35 to 40 minutes. But as you should know, running nutrition is a very individual thing. So everybody's going to ultimately find a little bit different formula that might work for them. If I pulled a sample of 10 people out of the groups that I coach, you'd probably have 10 different formulas ultimately, because ultimately what works for you is going to be a little bit unique and a little bit different. And that's the point of that experimentation. So I've given you some starting points, but now it's up to you to experiment. I would highly encourage you to also tap into the resources that you might have, whether that be a coach or even going to a local running store. If you talk to them about what you might like and what you would like to try or what you have tried, they're going to be able to point you in the right direction of how to iterate that experimentation. So keep experimenting until you dial into a formula that feels good, that gives you the energy that you need, and then ultimately carry that to race day itself and try to replicate as closely as possible on race day. In terms of hydration, you also want to consider how much water you need. I've talked before on an episode a couple of episodes ago about running in heat and sweat testing. That might be applicable to go listen to if you're concerned about your hydration levels. I also think electrolyte supplementation is something to think about and consider when you get into a race that's of this distance, especially if you anticipate the weather being warmer. So that's another factor to think about, to consider. Again, tap into those resources that you have around you to figure out that formula that will work before you get to the race day itself. So number eight, figure out your nutrition and hydration. It is a big part of the battle, especially for this first race. Number nine, now we're starting to talk about the race itself and these last four, nine, 10, 11, and 12 are all going to be related to the race or aftermath of the race. Number nine, start smart, finish strong. Start smart, finish strong. Already alluded to this a little bit, but the most optimally run marathons, regardless of how experienced you are, are done with a negative split, meaning you run the second half faster than the first. You bank energy at the beginning so that you can use that energy to finish strong at the end. Some people talk about banking time. 
No, we talk about banking energy because if you start smart and give yourself the ability to warm into the race, to find your groove by gradually working down your pace over the opening miles, then you're going to be able to conserve energy through the middle and hopefully have something less left at the end to finish strong. So start smart, being conservative early, and then try to pick it up at the end. I, I usually say somewhere around mile 22 or 23 for a first timer is when you can start to think about picking up the pace if you're feeling good. And obviously at that point, you don't want to do it too aggressively. You want to make subtle shifts and changes. But that's the point when you can start to go faster if you're feeling good at the end. And believe me, it's possible if you've done these other elements right. So start smart, finish strong, have a plan that allows you to do that with a target time, as I've talked about before, that is comfortable for your current fitness so that you can give your yourself the best opportunity to not only finish, but to finish feeling good and to be thinking, man, when can I do the next one? So start smart, finish strong. Number 10, savor the experience. Savor the experience. It's easy to become embedded. I kind of think of the first marathon in some ways like a wedding. When you're, if for those that have had weddings, you know that it's crazy or you can imagine it. It's crazy planning a wedding. There's so many details that go into it. Oftentimes you're starting the planning process a year in advance. You're thinking about venue. You're thinking about photographer, flowers, cake, seating charts, guest lists, all the things, food choices, all the things. And there's so much planning that goes into that. And then when you get closer to the event, you start to deal with the finer points and details about RSVP lists and changing seating charts because somebody's not bringing a plus one. And there's all those little details that come. And you're thinking about travel for your family, your relatives, and making sure they get to where they need to be at the right times and rehearsals and all that stuff. All that planning can be crazy can can not be fun sometimes but then you get to the event day itself and once the bride walks down that aisle the service starts everything changes from planning mode to just letting all of the fruits of that planning play out in what is typically a magical event and a marathon is kind of like that <laughs> there's a lot of planning, a lot of details, a lot of things that you might be sorting through, a lot of worry that comes with building up to race day. And then that gun goes off and you start that race. And that's when you should just really enjoy it. Just like two people getting married who can, once that event starts, just focus on enjoying each other and enjoying the guests and having fun. A marathon should be that way. And certainly you should be running your plan and making sure you're executing your nutrition the way you'd plan to, but you should also be savoring that experience, smiling, reading the signs on the side, high-fiving kids that might be there, cheering and watching, soaking in the landmarks that you might see on whatever course that you're on, taking in the views being observant of the people around you and trying to understand their reasons for being there. Oftentimes in marathons, you'll see people running for causes or have things on their shirt that, that tell you what their purpose is. And being a spectator in the race 
whether it's your first marathon or really any marathon, allows you to soak it in and savor it in a way that's just different and unique. It also takes your mind off of the task at hand, makes it go faster, takes your mind off the pain when it might come. So don't forget to savor the moment. And then when you get to that finish line, when you get to that finish line, truly soak it all in. Savor those final 100 meters or 200 meters and then that finish line experience. Pay attention to all your senses. Don't move too quickly. Thank volunteers. Take time to get that medal properly placed around your neck. Don't rush through the finish area and grab food and take off and try to get to the next thing. Savor the moment. Walk slowly. Observe the crowds. Soak in the cheers. Get the swag, the medals, and the food, and just take your time with it. Reflect and think about the emotions. Be present. Cry if you want to cry. Smile if you want to smile. Soak it. Truly soak it all in because you only get one first marathon, and it is a special experience. One of my favorite things as a coach is just to ask people about that, about their finish line experience, about what they remember from it, because it's always powerful. It's always powerful. And I want you to savor it because you will have earned that finish line moment. And again, there's only one first marathon. Next, number 11, we start to get to the aftermath. Number 11 is I want you to write down what you've learned and experienced in a way that you can save it. I want you to write it down so that you can save it and go back to it. As I mentioned earlier, for those of us that have done many marathons who are more experienced, it's easy to forget those feelings. It's easy to, to also, again, compare yourself to where you want to be and not think about how far you've come. You get caught up sometimes in the progression and the progress and what's next and how you can run faster. You get so focused on that that you forget about the joy in that first experience. You forget about the progress you've made. And so I want you to be able to go back to that, not only as a reminder of how far you've come, but also as motivation and inspiration to keep going down the road. So write things down. Write down what you've learned, certainly about the training elements, the racing elements. Write down what you've learn from a mental standpoint, but also write down the feelings and emotions that you experienced out there. Write them down, save it somewhere, save it forever, and then go back to it at different points down the road to remind yourself to put that beginner mindset back on. Again, to remind yourself how far you've come, but also to give yourself inspiration to continue to press. So. Write down the things you've experienced and learned. Number 12, don't plan or unplan your next race for a little bit. It's easy to react in some way after crossing that line. And some people will say, oh, I can't wait to do my next one. Some people will say, I'll never do that again. You'll have both reactions. And I guarantee you there's very little correlation between especially that second reaction and not running marathons again, because most of the time, after a little time, you forget. But what I don't want you to do is plan or unplan what's next for at least a period of time after your race. Let it sink in, savor it, write down the things you've learned, 
write down the feelings you had, give yourself a little bit of time to just process it all before you start planning the next one or before you say, I'm never doing that again. Just give yourself a beat, let it soak in, let it marinate. And I don't necessarily have a defined window of time for you on that, but I would say if I had to put a number out there, I would say give yourself at least a couple of weeks to savor this last accomplishment before you start dreaming about the next one. Because what does that give you? A couple of weeks gives you time to feel all the feels, to feel the sadness, to feel the pain if it didn't go the way you wanted, to feel the good things and celebrate the good things if it went the way you wanted, or if it's a mix of both, feel all the feels and give yourself space and time to do that and to celebrate it with those around you that are proud of you and that help support you in the journey. You need at least a week to do that part. And then I think you need at least another week to digest it all, to be able to take those feels once your more logical, rational head takes over, to be able to take those feels and process it into something that you can then interpret as to what you want next. So give yourself at least a couple of weeks, I'd say two to three, before you start planning your next event or your next race again. And that's true regardless of how it went. Even if you're that person who's eager to go do another one, that's good. Those races aren't going anywhere. Just give yourself some time. Give, Give yourself some time to, again, celebrate where you are, to savor this one. And then after a couple of weeks, then plot the next goal, the next accomplishment. I think you'll thank me for that. So that's what I've got. Those are the 12 things for my first time marathoners. I would love to hear from you. If you have other questions, you can always email me, chris at roguerunning.com for your first race. But again, those 12 are, just to remind you, one, you can do it. You got this. Number two, know your purpose. Have a crystal clear picture of why you're doing it. Three, think long-term, even with this short-term milestone. Number four, give yourself time to train in the right way. Number five, think target time versus goal time. Number six, find your routine, prioritize routine and volume and mileage over the fast stuff. Number seven, slow down. You got to do most of those runs at easy conversational pace. Number eight, make sure you figure out your nutrition and hydration plan by experimenting well before race day. Number nine, in the race itself, start smart, finish strong. Number 10, soak it all in, savor every moment. Number 11, write it down. Write down your lessons, write down how you felt, write down the magic of that experience. And number 12, give yourself a beat before you move on to the next. That's what we've got for you in this episode. Again, thanks to my partners, Zencaster and Athletic Greens. Really appreciate their support. I will post the links to those offers in the show notes. You can also check us out at roguerunning.com if you'd like to learn more about training with us. You can also follow us on social media at Rogue Running on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.